Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Artist Spousing Podcast. We are so grateful for you taking time to join us. Yeah, we hope you had a great couple of weeks since our last episode. We had a great Thanksgiving. All our kids were home, and now we're like many of you in the whirlwind of Christmas season. That's so true. And you know what? Today, I was trying to bring the Christmas season in with a sweater, and we're sweating to death in South Florida. It's true. It's a struggle to be here in the tropics on a... I know. We Christmas. really struggle <laughs> with right. the sun and the sand. That's right. It's it's a tough it's a tough life. A couple of weeks ago, we were asked to be a part of a Q and A session at a reengaged gathering. We thought the questions they asked were so good that we wanted to bring those same questions to the podcast and give our thoughts to some really amazing marriage questions. Yeah. So before we get there, though, we want them to take a moment to challenge you to consider a tangible investment in your marriage this coming year. You know, 2023 wrapping up now is actually a great time to make plans on what that investment could be in 2000. We want to ask you to consider scheduling a two-day marriage reboot with Lisa and I. Yeah, the marriage reboot is an exclusive one-on-one experience that will supercharge your marriage. You will discover your marriage purpose and get a real plan to start living into it. The process is designed to give you clarity in every aspect of your marriage. We'll work together to craft plans for multiple domains of life and create a solid framework that will help you manage and continually renew your relationship for the future. This is a private experience where you and your spouse will have our undivided attention as your marriage coaches will help you identify where you've been, define where you are now, and discover where you want to go together in the future. We know the marriage reboot will make a huge difference in your marriage in 2024. Totally. You can find out more about it at artespousing.com backslash marriage coaching. You can also message us on Instagram and we'll send you a link so you can schedule a 30-minute call with James and I to hear more about the experience and understand how it will be great for you guys. Okay, James, let's discuss these questions that were given to us. Yeah, so these questions are on a variety of topics, including parenting, boundaries, and making decisions. So let's start with this one. The person said, it's so hard to make time for intimacy with kids in the house. And we know that's true, right? So they asked, are there any ideas that we have on how to improve in this area? Yeah, James, I remember when our kids did live in the house. Of course, now we keep bragging about being empty nesters. That's right. It's so good. Yes. But I remember when the kids did live in the house and when they were young, we had office hours. So they were parent office hours. And so they were, we actually established when office hours. When we're closed for business. That is exactly right. So outside of an emergency, we honored that out of office hours. So 8 p.m., the kitchen's closed. There was no going into deep conversations with the kids. We began by preparing around 7 p.m., sometimes even earlier, because we wanted to make sure they had all they needed and right. all, all the water, drinks of water, all the prayers, all the conversations, so that we could transition to us time at eight o'clock. So when the kids hit middle school, that still was in play. We didn't change that, even though they were, they didn't need to be told what time to go to bed, but they knew that we were going to be doing our own thing. 8, 8 p.m. Now, adjustments had to be made due to sports schedules, so we had to be flexible. But the general idea is that we set this time out to invest in us. That's right. We're going to be better parents because we were growing and being a better married couple. That's right. Now, I want to say for all the people out there that are rigid, like it's 8 o'clock and it never can change. Right. It's, no, there's flexibility around yeah, it. But life the, happens, right? Yeah, life happens and um, seasons come where you do. But for the most part, we honored that as best we could. You know, another thing we learned that it was 
easier to block dates on our calendar for our kids and our family adventures, and we didn't actually do it for ourselves. And I'm not talking about weekly date nights. I'm talking about times that we actually invest in our marriage and get away by ourselves. So we learned it was a priority and it had to be intentional to actually look at the year ahead. And especially since we're coming in 2024, it's a great time to look at the year ahead, put something on your calendar that maybe you're getting away for one night. Right. We do 10 days, you know, we we get away a long time. Right. But we've but grown we're into, empty nesters now. We didn't do that when we were no, younger, right? But you can never underestimate the value of just one night away in a local Airbnb. So plan that. And then I think it's just important to recognize and be mindful to invest into your entire intimate life. We talk about this all the time. Your physical intimacy, recreational intimacy, emotional intimacy, spiritual, sexual intimacy. So in those blocks of time that we have for ourselves, we're going, which needs the investment? Yeah. Which what which part are we lacking in? If we were to rate the, those five areas one to ten, which is the lowest? Invest in that area. Yeah, and I think that's really important because a couple of things as you're talking that I just was thinking about was first of all, you have seasons of life in your marriage. You know, your kids are gonna when they're young, they require so much more energy and attention, and, and it's time. not forever, right? And so it's easy sometimes to think that we have to over-prioritize even our kids at a young age because of their needs and we end up Mm under-prioritizing our investment in each other. So just realize that every season is going to have a different need that your kids are going to bring and it is a season and we actually can help manage when those seasons come to an end. You may not be able to do eight o'clock every night, but if you set the intention that, hey, seven to eight o'clock to be able to get them in bed, they're going to bed earlier maybe, mm-hmm. then you're setting the intention. When our kids were teenagers, they're staying up later, but we still had to have the intention to go in this season, here's what this means now. And so that's one thing. The other thing I, I think is really important too is to be intentional, like you said, with date nights, but to really you know, leverage childcare, you know, Mm -hmm. leverage the resources that you can. Maybe it's somebody from your church or it's a family member that at least once a month you're doing that. And that makes, you know, we know that childcare is Mm -hmm. a thing, but sometimes we under-prioritize that investment maybe because we feel a little tight and finance is one area. I would say prioritize that so that you have some time away. You know what? We were just talking to a young couple. They're pregnant with their Mm -hmm. second. Their firstborn is two years old. And in talking to the couple, we mentioned Saturdays are a date day. Right. It doesn't have to be in the evenings. Right. That people don't have to actually come to your house, get kids to bed. And it was like, it was not ever even on their radar that they actually could do a brunch on Saturday morning and maximize even weekend times to yeah. go. It doesn't have to be in the evening because we think date night is a night. Right. And it can be a date day. Yeah. And it could be just for an hour, which is still an investment. I had two other thoughts on this too, is uh, you talked about our habit of what we call just the two of us trips, our getaways. And especially when you have young kids, having a time set away for intimacy that you know that there's going to be a chunk of time that you can look forward to and so forth. So it's not just about getting away to be together or just to go on a vacation. Mm -hmm. It's actually intentional connection in all those areas of intimacy Mm -hmm. that you mentioned. So the relational, you're away, emotional reconnection, sexual intimacy, those just the two of us trips, mm-hmm. we're connecting a lot in all those areas of intimacy. So it's not just about getting away from the kids. It's about intentional yes, intimacy. And then really I think when the last thing I would just say around this with kids is you need to take advantage of open moments. And that's why all the areas of intimacy are so important. Your sexual intimacy may be more difficult when you have young kids in the house and you know being pulled on all the time. That's why you have to really amp up 
intentionality and spiritual, emotional, recreational, make sure you have date nights, physical intimacy of touching each other, of holding hands, so that when an open moment happens that you can actually leverage that moment towards sexual intimacy Mm -hmm. because you've already been connected intentionally all the way. And so it's just, it's just thinking differently around intimacy that, you know, how that we prepare for that and move forward in those areas. Right. You know, and I think our times of getting away, it allows for us to have space, Mm -hmm. one for sexual intimacy that we're not interrupted and Mm -hmm. and all those things. But the other thing is, is the emotional space of like me being able to process and talk to you because that's where the space is that we're not interrupted for that of like, hey, I wanted to connect with you about these things and dream or even maybe some challenges. I would love to come and present to you, James. I know that I'm having this challenge and Mm -hmm. I'm going to be working on it. And this is the time for, and it's just, it is, it's for all of those things. And I'd love to tie back to your, your first point on seasons is that sometimes we live in a season that we've passed Mm -hmm. and you have to reevaluate. I know for us, we would actually evaluate our upcoming season, almost like an academic um, setting. So what is this semester Mm going to require of us? If I were still having kids in the home, I would be looking next semester, January through May. What is it that we're going to do? Not the big rocks of going away, but like, how are we going to carve out time for us? Where are those places going to be that we can have an evening or a Saturday away that we're going to go ahead and ask grandma and grandpa to watch kids or we're going to, they're already at a camp right? and they're at a special event that we're just going to go, hey, we're going to use that time instead of cleaning the garage, we're going to be together. And then put it in your calendar because if it doesn't make in your calendar, it won't make it in your life. It's one thing to talk about it. Mm -hmm. It's another thing to make tangible plans and at least, you know, it may not always happen, but at least you have the plan in place. Mm -hmm. And unless something different changes that, that plan, you know that you you have space made for it and it's going to make it into your life. You know, we often say the enemy wants to divide us and mm-hmm. divide our marriage. Well, he doesn't even have to work at it if we don't actually plan it. That's right. We're, we do it ourselves. That's right. That's right. Okay. So that's the first question. Second question is this. I, th- I think this is... Okay, here's the second question. Does it honor God to have a rule in our marriage requiring access to each other's devices? Yeah, you know, I really don't like the word rule. I know. I know, but I get the I get the meaning of it, but I go, what are the guiding principles around mm-hmm. this? But I would say there is no device, no friendship, mm-hmm. even me for girlfriends, no activity that takes priority over our relationship, right. James, or over our full transparency. Right. So there's no device, but I mean... For me, it's probably not going to be a device. It may be some of the, it may be a friendship that takes priority, or maybe there are women that share with other women in full transparency, but don't have full transparency with their husband. So, right. but in regard to the device, nothing though is more important than the commitment we have to our relationship. That reason why I struggle a little bit with the word rule is that we have to be mindful not to have a spirit of fear or need to control. And sometimes rules feel like, control. Yeah. So there's a difference between transparency and control. I, I, I love this. It's, is it voluntary or are you voluntold? Voluntold, yeah. Yeah. I have a desire to initiate transparency, to invest in building and maintaining trust. So I want to do my part. I, I'm volunteering transparency. Mm-hmm. You know, I do spend a lot of time with some women who have issues with what they read mm-hmm. and what they watch. Pornography and that kind of thing is not just for men anymore. Right. They have to actually remove books from their device. Mm-hmm. They have to have open devices with their husband. And so right. I would go... 
to that wife, I would say, and obviously to men, is that you need to volunteer transparency. Right. You don't need to wait for it have to be right. voluntold. Right. You know, so we were recently talking to a couple around our age, mm-hmm. and one of the spouse struggled with pornography, and it has been an issue for 25 years. Right. The healing and the wholeness of this journey is exactly that. It's a journey, and it will take possibly some radical measures radical measures, Mm -hmm. possibly a flip phone, possibly not being on social media, and possibly more counseling to get to the root of all of that, which is a a financial investment to reestablish trust and to establish boundaries around what does transparency look like? Because the other spouse kind of felt controlling, and you can understand because there's a lack of trust. So the control starts kicking up, which doesn't actually elicit transparency because yeah. there's fear. We want to speak hope though I into the situation is that if you're facing this kind of thing is that we've seen people work through this and come out on the other side in strength and wholeness. Yeah, I think it's good. And if somebody's in that situation where they're overcoming a sexual addiction or visual content on their phones have been an issue mm-hmm. in the relationship that it shouldn't be an issue to do away with it. You know, our past, if we're not careful, has a, an opportunity, especially with technology and so forth, mm-hmm. to follow us. Mm-hmm. So there's algorithms. And so if you guard the marriage and gain trust and build trust, you know, your device is not that important as compared right. to your, your marriage. And I would just say also, if there's anybody who's had this as a tension point in your marriage and relationship of one spouse wanting access or, or visibility or in the other spouse is struggling with that. I'd ask the spouse who's struggling is why would you struggle with transparency mm-hmm. with your spouse? You know, if you're really one flesh united, mm-hmm. there should not be any place that's lived in isolation. Right. So I, I shouldn't have anything in my life that's isolated mm-hmm. from you if we're, if we're really one right. flesh and united. So I think it's really important just to not so much about should it be a rule? Mm-hmm. No, it should be actually a get to mm-hmm. in a relationship to kind of go, I'm open access. You can look at my phone anytime. You can look at my computer anytime. First of all, it gives me accountability for what I'm seeing, but also just says I have nothing to hide in our relationship right. for one another. Right. So I don't think I don't think it's a rule, but I think a good guiding principle is full transparency and openness is, right. is really important. Yeah. So. Well, I think what you're saying is so good because if you can't get the answer, if either spouse can't get the answer is why is this such a, then you do need to get help. And that literally, that is counseling because there could be a root issue as mm-hmm. to why they're actually, a person may not even be looking at anything anymore. Mm-hmm. And then there's control in the other. So there's, there's so much there yeah. that it's like, hey, why don't you get the help that you need? You know, as you were talking about this, I was thinking about the women I've spoken to the things that they're reading help create an emotional connection that they don't have with their husband. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, I don't know if this is actually true. This is just my experience. I'm, so I'm not speaking as a, a counselor. I'm just speaking as the experience I have is that they're looking for emotional connection and they're reading material that emotionally connects. Mm-hmm. It's just like the enemy. They're getting their emotional connection there and they're not getting it with their husband. Mm-hmm. And the same is true for men that I have had experience. I know this could be vice versa, but just my experience is mm-hmm. men are visually stimulated looking at things. And so that connection, why is that? Why is it there? I don't know, but it needs to be discovered because it's actually keeping, it's hindering mm-hmm. the very thing. Even this couple, he wants to be fully committed to his yeah, wife. Yeah. It's like, it's such a trick of the enemy. So no device is worth it. What well, you always say about the flip phone. 
it's the sexiest thing I've ever seen a man do. <laughs> I just want to go up and go, I honor you, right. flip phone man. That's, That's good. It's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So the next question, the Bible says that children are a gift from God and they truly are. Mm-hmm. Why does parenthood feel like it takes away from our marriage instead of being a gift to our marriage? Uh, that's a really good question. I think it really comes down to priorities. It can sometimes feel like it takes away because we make kids the number one priority. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're newly married, you know, it's just the two of you, you are always together, but now this new person comes into your home or multiple people come in your home. And now you have a responsibility, you know, to care for and to tend to and what tends to happen is we forget that our number one priority in the relationship is us as husband Mm -hmm. and wife. And sometimes we get so fixated, especially as kids get older, on setting them up for success and setting them up for college and Mm -hmm. setting them up for whatever they need to do that we forget that we're not setting ourselves up for the time that the kids aren't in our home anymore. I, I think God never intended for your kids to forever live dependent mm-hmm. on you and your spouse. We were talking about this the other day that our generation growing up, the Gen Xers, we really had to fend for ourselves a lot, right? Yes. Latchkey kids and all that, that stuff. Was me. Is, yeah. I mean, I remember coming home from school and, you know, had to find my own food and snack until my parents got home. Well, today that's a lot different. I think a lot of us have grown up and we've overdone what we maybe we didn't get as mm-hmm. kids. And so we've kind of created this helicopter parent culture. culture. And now we're looking at the results of that with mm-hmm. kids growing up. And But ultimately, it really goes back to what God intended. God's given us our kids for us to steward them and prepare them to live independently from us. That's why the Bible says, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. They're not supposed to stay in our home forever, thank God, right? right. <laughs> so I think um, with this, there's you know seasons when your kids will have to be more the priority. And one of the things that we teach a lot with parents is a process I learned many years ago when I had the opportunity to take our daughter Alex out to California and we did this father-daughter thing. And it's called the journey of transition. And it's really about the journey of transition for kids that help them move from birth to being independent adults. But it's really a journey of transition for parents too. Mm-hmm. Helps us. Helps us because, you know, in each each season on this journey of transition, there are things that we are intentionally giving to our kids. So from birth to maybe five years old, we're caregivers, right? Right. Our kids can't eat. They can't shower. They can't do anything. Can't be left alone. Can't be left alone. They can't change their own diapers, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. You know, so, you know, those first five years, we are the caregivers. We're providing everything they need. Well, then you move from there, from five to maybe 12, you're the cop. You're helping teach your kids the rules, like what's right, what's wrong, what they can do, how to stay away from harm. No is the most popular word during that season. No, don't do that. Don't touch that. Don't go there. Don't. And so there's that cop phase. Now, those two phases are... Uh, in our journey, they are, but they were the easiest ones for us looking back. Right. They were. Yeah. <laughs> what we're yeah, coming to next is yeah. what's going to. So the next phase is actually the coach. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think if we're not careful as parents in our marriage, we can continue to prioritize all our time on copying and making sure our kids are acting the way we want them to. But you begin to give your kids a little independence and you receive a little bit more independence as yes. parents when you begin to not just tell the 
kids uh, what not to do that help coach them to know for themselves what not to do. You're right. And it does. It gives us independence. As a married couple, we're giving ourselves little spaces of independence from our kids so that when they leave, we're not devastated. Right. Exactly. And you're bringing with that freedoms Mm -hmm. and expectations that, you know, that that cost those freedoms. And then the, the last stage is really the consultant stage, right? Or cheerleader stage. And your kids are now out of high school, maybe on their way to college and they're young adults and you're not copying them. You're not telling them what to do or how to, what, where to go, what decisions. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you've done a, we've done a good job during the coaching phase that they're, they're able to make decisions on their own. They're able to earn an income on their own so that they can move out of the house and be independent. Mm-hmm. But if we continually treat them when they're 17, 18 years old, like we did when they were six or seven or eight, Yes. You know, then Help we're us. constantly tied to them mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't feel like a blessing, right? Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't feel like a gift. It feels like it's taken away from our marriage. And again, it's all about priority. Even going back to the first question about intimacy in our marriage, if we don't prioritize this relationship, it's always going to struggle next to other things that will take time and energy away from us. That's so true. So all the young marrieds that are listening and that do not have children, right? you shouldn't be tapping out on us on this. Right. You should be preparing right now how you are going to keep your marriage a priority right. before kids come. But you know, one of the things I would say to couples who have kids in the home right now of all ages is just give yourself grace. Give each other grace. I remember looking back, we hadn't done it before. All of our experience that we're talking about is from the what we did and what we learned, you know. So yeah. just give yourself grace. And James, we learned that is actually proven in science is there's a mental load for moms mm. that it's real. There's a calculation of like we gotta get them to the dentist. It's not that dads don't do this, but it's really how God has hardwired us as moms and nurturers. And that looks different. Some moms are more nurturing than right. others, but nonetheless, there's just a sense of responsibility that a mom has. It's a mental load. And when I learned this, I think it was helpful to me that I needed to learn how to manage that. What is my, when do I actually release responsibility? Mm -hmm. How do I do that so that it doesn't come in between you and I? But at the same time, you had to learn, you can speak for yourself, but that it's a real thing for me. And that you needed to extend grace to me and not just go, hey, you just need to stop with the kids. Right. You know, no, no, there's this, there's a give and take that I need to come and learn and release, but you also need to understand, or husbands, dads need to understand, there is a mental load for a mother that they carry that is hard to really sort. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I think that's where you have to lean into each other's strengths and weaknesses in the season. But if you're kind of with the intention, mm-hmm. the desired outcome mm-hmm. of like, hey, we want our kids to be independent and on their own, and eventually that you know they're, they're thriving mm-hmm. and our marriage is still thriving, that's the desired outcome. We got to create the pathway to get there. Yep. And then the agency, the ability right. to work together along the way to do that. So it's really yeah. Good. yeah. You know, I just want to encourage a couple who's listening right now that mm-hmm. they are really tense in this area. Right. Is that reboots would be great for this. Yeah. This is where this kind of stuff, this is not counseling. This is like, how do you walk this out yeah. moving forward? But I would just say, talk it out. Mm-hmm. Find common ground. The truth is you both want to be great parents. You have common ground there. Talk it out. Right. 
Okay, let's jump to this next question. Uh, I think this is a good one too. Should there be boundaries with our immediate, extended, or blended family? And what should those boundaries look like? Great question. Yeah, this is really good. And whether you are in a blended uh, marriage, which our next episode, we actually have uh, Terry and Carol Moss on with us who are going to be talking about blended family and blended marriage, which is great. It is hysterical too. These people are yeah, they're awesome. fun. They're awesome. Or in-laws. This can be a real challenge. And we've seen this coaching a lot of couples. And actually back in season three, we did a, a whole episode on mastering the art of in-laws and, and how to navigate those relationships with grace. And I'll put all that in the show notes so you can look at. But many times there can be tension with in-laws or extended family when it comes to expectations or from our origin story practices. Right. Right. We actually coached a couple recently where the in-laws would only speak Spanish to their son when the wife, wife was there and she didn't speak any Spanish. And so even though that was their their origin story, their backstory, their their practice, it actually caused a lot of tension in the relationship. And so you can imagine any kind of situation in a marriage where the extended family is so rooted in tradition, or maybe it's a different culture or whatever, that if there's not intentionality in how you approach that in conversations you have, they could cause tension. Mm-hmm. So it is really important that there should be priorities. And when we talk about priorities, we're talking about your yeses, Yes, we will do this. Mm-hmm. And there should be boundaries, your nose, that we won't do this or we won't put ourselves in this situation mm-hmm. where it's going to cause tension in any relationship that's going to impede on your marriage relationship. The biblical call to marriage is actually, again, to leave and to cleave, right? To form your own nuclear family. And so although we honor in-laws, although we honor extended family, the, the priority and the focus should be on each other in our relationship. So we do have to set boundaries mm-hmm. and establish those boundaries with honor and clear communication. Why? And again, we went through a whole episode on how to do that, which we'd really encourage you to go back and listen to. Right. You know, when you were talking about honor as as a married couple, newly married, and uh, you're trying to set these boundaries and priorities in a way to honor that, I think sometimes, especially young couples that are newly married, because we've connected with couples who are older and mm-hmm. getting married for the first time, but I'm specifically talking about 20s, early 30s getting married, is that you can set those priorities and boundaries, but you don't have to make a big family meeting with yeah. your in-laws right. about it. Just live it out. Yeah, It doesn't have to be a big conversation. You're going to set those priorities because I think it's when we try to communicate all of that, that we start dishonoring and causing a whole big ruckus. Do you know what a ruckus is, James? It's it's a commotion and a big (laughs) argument, tension and strife, conflict. (laughs) That's right. I feel like my Southern self came out there. That's true. That's good. That's great. You answered that so well. I don't think I have anything of great great value to add there and that you didn't already say. I think this is the last question then. Yeah, last question. So how can we involve God in our decision-making process as a couple, especially in major life decisions. Mm. I would say this season, this has been a challenge for us. Mm-hmm. I will say new roof is a big decision. Right. It's a big financial decision. So we we're speaking from experience yeah. here. Yeah. But I have several thoughts how to involve God first. To involve God, it does involve your spouse because mm-hmm. God has uniquely designed us to come together. And so my questions, me needing to understand brings value, although it is quite irritating, I'm sure to you, because you're a quick decision maker. Right. But you do move and make a quick decision, but my questions actually help us make the best decision. So right. involving God in the decision making is allowing us both to be collaborative. That's the, my first thought. I have a lot of random little thoughts here. Okay, that's okay. Great. So my second thought is come into the decision making open to God. Mm-hmm. 
prayerful, open for him to open and shut doors. Mm. So don't come in with an agenda like I know what I want to get at this roof and I you know, this is what we're gonna do or what what car we're gonna purchase. I know I want this and I'm gonna, you know, mm-hmm. no, come in open. And then another thought I had was be self aware. I have a tendency to use my my persuasive manipulation. Mm-hmm. To get my way, so that's something I've never I, noticed. Okay, <laughs> that's it. I, that's me being self-aware. Right. I know that I have a tendency to do that, so I'm going to dial that down, check in my own spirit, so that I'm coming a better me mm-hmm. is a better we, even in decisions. We all need to resist pride. Right. There's no personality that doesn't come in with pride. So it's like check your pride. My other random thought is be okay with a good amount of tension. Mm. Don't call it division when it's just natural tension. Mm, that's really that's good. a way to just start a fight and stir a fire is just to go like, no, it's going to be tense to get to the answer. I've learned in my desire to build muscle in this season because, you know, we start losing muscle. So I have, I'm trying to mm-hmm. I'm trying to regain some muscle loss here. There's tension in that that is good, that actually is good for my body. And so the truth is there's tension in decision-making that isn't necessarily division. So just settle down, you know, like settle down, relax into it. And then my last random thought is seek unity. Right. I know what it feels like for you and I to be in unison around a decision Mm -hmm. and what God has breathed in and spoke to and how that feels. I'm going to wait for that. I'm waiting for that as confirmation. So I know what that feels like and that's what I want and that's what I come with. And I think you and I both come together. That's good. Yeah. A couple thoughts around that. I think if at all possible, don't make life altering decisions without being on the same page. You know, there there are times that ultimately one opinion or one direction needs to be taken and it mm-hmm. prevails over the other, but it shouldn't be at the expense of unity, right? Correct. And I think the other part too is when you make a decision together, doesn't mean that there's not going to be tension after the decision's made. So yes. you make the decision and you manage the tension all along the way. You know, we're in the case right now of, of a pretty large life altering decision and specifically my career, right? Right. And and we made that decision together, but after we made that decision, we were in unity. We're in unity. We still are. Yeah. But there's tensions that come along the way, and we have to go back to, hey, we made this decision together. We're in unity around this decision. And so this moment of tension, we just have to manage it because we're working out the decision that we've already made. Just the, the reality of, of fighting for unity, right? Always looking to prioritize unity in our relationship. I think all these questions kind of go to that, right? Right. It feels like a hodgepodge of topics, you know, from boundaries to intimacy, decision-making, but all of them at their core have to do with fighting for unity, fighting for unity when our kids are younger and we're having a hard time with intimacy, Mm -hmm. fighting for unity with extended families and boundaries and decisions, fighting for unity when we have to make major life-altering decisions. And when we seek unity, when we fight for unity and we, we seek God, God's direction that he's going to be in the midst of it. And I I think that's really powerful because Mm -hmm. we're never always going to get everything right. But if we seek and turn our hearts towards each other and and turn towards unity, then we're going to be able to weather any of these seasons that we go through in these decisions. So so hopefully these questions were helpful. It was great for us just to have this conversation. I love this. I wish we could get some questions from, because these are real live questions people are asking. So we think we're coming to podcast content. We were trying to 
filter what we feel like people are wanting. But I love this. I, yeah. I love for people to email us questions. Yeah, and if that you we have questions or, or things that you want us to talk about on the podcast or comments about what you even heard today, mm-hmm. you know, connect with us. You can email us at hello at artespousing.com. You can also jump on Instagram and direct message us at artespousing. I love it. Even if it is a hodgepodge of questions, That's it's, right. it's great. So right. we would also love for you to sign up for our email list with every episode we send out an email with a direct link to the show and some news about what's happening with Art Espousing. You can sign up with the link in the show notes or on our Instagram bio. So as we said on our next episode, we have Terry and Carol Moss, the founders of One Flesh Ministries, and we'll be talking all about marriage in the context of blended families. It's going to be a lot of fun. (laughs) You will not want to miss it. So we hope you'll join us for that. Have a fantastic week and we'll see you next time on the Art Espousing Podcast. Until then, bye-bye.